0: Back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. Heading into week two. Incredible week one. If you want to get all the breakdowns that we have from week one, go check that out on our channel. We'll be dropping some clips on that as well. Alex, I'm pumped. We're getting into our starts of the week. The guys that we expect to heavily exceed expectations in week two. Got a lot to break down here. And then we're going to throw out some deep shots. Maybe some desperation plays if you're in a tight spot. I know there's a lot of guys that appeared on the injury report. It's like hamstrings going down left and right. But
1: uh, Alex, you ready to get into this stuff? I am. Yeah, week two, new slate, new beginnings. If you took the L in week one, it's still early. There's time to bounce back. I mean, Malcolm Brown and Naheem Hines were top five running backs in week one, just like we all predicted. Um, So, you know, super excited to get into week two here. Oh, man, it's it's. It's tough with the hamstrings and all the injuries and it's like if you have two healthy hamstrings you are automatically qualified to be rostered in a fantasy football (laughs) league so we'll keep an eye on all the injuries going on as well but i'm excited to get into some starts of the week and deep shots of the week here for week two um to get out there and take home the dub this week um you know in all of my leagues i won two out of three last week hoping i can do the clean sweep here in week two
0: very nice, very nice. I know you hit on a couple of fan FanDuel lineups. I was pumping out those DraftKings lineup as well. But guys, if like what we're doing here on the show, quick plug, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Pushing for 2,000 here, big milestone for us. We did not think we were going to be crazy. hitting that when we started this just last season. So shout out to all you guys. We really appreciate all the support, all the positive comments. Let us know if you have any questions down below. The least we can do is try to help you out here and win week two. And then lastly, hit us up on Twitter. We're putting out graphics, polls, uh, live reactions during the games. You can hit us up on there to make sure you have an important question. Just sign to the DMs. Sometimes the YouTube comments get a little overloaded. Uh, But let's start with our starts of the week. Just to preface, starts of the week are guys that, you know, we're not going to go with these super chalk options. If you have Christian McCaffrey, you're starting him. (laughs) If you have Patrick Mahomes, you're starting him. If you have Lamar Jackson, you're starting him. You have Ezekiel Elliott, you're starting him. What we're trying to do is get into some of these names where – you know, maybe the matchup isn't great, or maybe they had a questionable week one and we want to tell you, Hey, don't worry about that. Feel free to carry on, plug them back in
1: and I'll let you start it off. Who is your quarterback start of the week in week two? Yeah. My quarterback started the week. actually had a fantastic week one. He was quarterback three on the week. And, you know, going into this season, even through week one, we've heard all this talk about let Russ cook in Seattle. How about let Josh Allen cook in Baltimore Josh Allen with 46 (laughs) passing attempts and 14 carries in week one in a game that they dominated against the New York Jets. There was no rhyme or reason for Josh Allen to be throwing the ball 46 times in this game, yet he still did. He's got the green light to run it whenever he wants. He just takes off, and, you know, he did have two fumbles in this game. (laughs) Some of them were pretty laughable, but he's going to have a ton of volume in this offense, and it looks like at least after week one it's going to be a step up from last season. I don't want to overreact and act like this is going to be the norm for Josh Allen But it was really, really nice to see him step it up a notch. And I think Stephon Diggs is going to be a huge, huge benefactor for Josh Allen. Diggs had a really solid game last week, eight catches for 86 yards. He's going to work really nicely in tandem with John Brown in that receiving core. And When I look at week two, they have another soft matchup against the Miami Dolphins. So I look at this game, I expect Josh Allen to be able to move the ball through the air to Stephon Diggs. I know John Brown has been dealing with some hamstring issues is it a hamstring? It might be a foot. Either way, John Brown has been in and out of practice. Have to double check on what it is. But either way, I think Josh Allen's going to be able to move the ball through the air on this defense. And the best thing about Josh Allen is the rushing baseline. I mean, 14 carries, 57 yards and a touchdown last week against the Jets. And if you look at this Miami team, they just gave up 75 yards and two touchdowns to cam newton in week one they had a lot of trouble slowing down that rushing quarterback so i look at josh allen after a really strong start to the year heading into week two against a good matchup good rushing baseline he's got weapons around him i expect josh allen to give you another really solid fantasy performance here in week two
0: nice nice i like that i like that start of the week there you went with the number two option i'm going with the number three and i think one of the biggest themes that we saw in week one Are these teams that we normally wouldn't think of with tremendous pass volume like your Seattle Seahawks you mentioned, like the Bills, like the Green Bay Packers, and my start of the week, Aaron Rodgers in another— count double-check,
1: baby. That's
0: right. That's right. In another NFC North battle, a divisional battle, and what should be a much easier matchup in the Detroit Lions. What I loved to see from a fantasy perspective for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers is— The Packers went up with a lead early in this game and they didn't stop passing. I feel like the 2019 Green Bay Packers would have eased off the gas a little bit. Hey, let's just run it up the middle. And you'd think like we had all these off-season narratives about, oh, A.J. Dillon's coming in. That means they're going to run a lot more. Oh, they brought in Jordan Love. Maybe they don't like Aaron Rodgers. they are not going to let him sing it out. Those off-season narratives fell so flat, at least in this first game, when they just roasted the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm expecting... There to be just in another you know easy matchup where Aaron Rodgers can sling it out where they're getting a lead. Maybe we shouldn't project him to be second on the week again with another you know 31 fantasy points. In week one, he was second in terms of red zone attempts. He had 12 of those. He was fourth on the week in attempts with 44. So if the volume's going to be there for Rodgers, we know he's going to be efficient with it. It's Aaron freaking Rodgers. There's not much more I need to say after that. And he was third on the week in adjusted yards per attempt so going vertical to mvs to alan lazard of course Devontae adams and then they have a pretty nice run game aaron jones was facing the lowest stacked box rate in week one as well so i think this offense is going to be able to move and i think they're going to be able to move with aaron Rodgers, you know putting up 35 or more pass attempts in this game load them up if you're you have a questionable matchup you know one i heard was deshaun watson against baltimore Um, If you're feeling uneasy about that one and you have Aaron Rodgers there, maybe you got him later on in your draft. Just plug him in as that safer option and don't worry about the
1: wheels falling off for Deshaun Watson. So, um, but I like Rodgers a lot. I like it. And this Detroit defense just gave up quarterback eight performance to Mitchell Trubisky in week one. I know they're getting Jeff Okuda back in the secondary, but they just lost starting corner Justin Coleman. So welcome to the NFL, Jeff Okuda. You get to guard Devontae Adams um, in your first game without a ton of help. So... You know, I, yeah, I expect Aaron Rodgers to feast in this game. I expect another massive game for Devontae Adams and Rodgers should be in your lineup with confidence. I I love the pick, Steph. So let's go ahead and move on to our running back. Steph, I'm going to let you kick off the running back starts of the week here in week two. Who do you got?
0: So for our starts of the week, right? These aren't super deep names. These aren't supposed to be extremely chalk options, except for in a case where we think that a guy who's you're already starting is going to explode that much more. And for me, that's Raheem Mostert against the Jets in week two. Mostert was only on the field for 60% of snaps, but put up 25 fantasy points, had four receptions on six targets, led the week in receiving yards amongst running backs last week. And we saw what Devin Singletary and Zach Moss were able to do to that Jets defense. I think the sky's the limit for Raheem Mostert. You add in the fact that Kittle is now injured probably going to be limited if he plays Brandon Ayuk is out Debo Samuel's on IR there's just not a lot of weapons for Jimmy G to throw to and so we saw some of that air volume going towards Raheem Mostert he didn't surpass two targets in a game all of last season and now he's getting whatever it was five or six targets there in week one I think that's only going to continue now with Kittle being limited right from the jump and what should be an extremely easy matchup For the 49ers, we they have a great offensive line. I expect there's to be some super big holes for Mostert to run through. Yeah, they should lead in this
1: game, which is a great game script for Mostert. And it's a
0: great game script. That's the other thing I was gonna say. They should be leading, just running as much as possible. It's gonna be the Trent Taylor and Kendrick Bourne show through the air for Jimmy G. So Jimmy G was my start of the week last week. I'm pivoting off of that Uh, and going with Raheem Mostert, who's gonna be the the other beneficiary when they're running so much and. Mostert still, he he looks explosive. I know he's an older guy, undrafted free agent, jumped around to a bunch of different teams. He hit the highest top speed amongst all players in the NFL in week one. So this man is explosive and he's going to have the room to run.
1: Plug in Mostert in week two. Steph, I love the pick. And, you know, one concern people are going to have potentially is Tevin Coleman. You know, Tevin Coleman wasn't very involved in week one, only saw six snaps. There was a lot of the air quality issues. So the expectation would be going to New York Tevin Coleman's not going to have to sit out because of some of those health issues. He has a, you know, a uh, at-risk... Um, condition. I believe he has sickle cell. So that's why yeah. Tevin Coleman was a little bit limited. So the expectation for me is that Tevin Coleman will actually be more involved. We know Jarek McKinnon was involved as well. But I love the pick, Steph, because there's limited passing options for the 49ers. They should get up in this game early. And even if Coleman gets more involvement, even if McKinnon gets more involvement, Mostert on his own could still see that 15 to 20 carries and a couple of targets as well. So exactly. I think, you know, even with other guys in the backfield, Mostert should see a ton of volume in this game. And if you drafted him as your RB3, he had a really good performance last week, and you're wondering whether to pull him up into your lineup off of your bench, I think this is definitely a time to do so. So I love the call. So my running back start of the week, I'm not giving up on this guy yet. It's Ronald Jones. You know, when they signed Leonard Fournette, everyone probably thought Alex and his Ronald Jones hype train (laughs) has come to a crashing halt. It did not ever stop, Steph. And we look at Ronald Jones this week against the Carolina Panthers, and there's nothing not to like here. I was hyped to see Ronald Jones and his week one involvement, even in a tough matchup against the New Orleans Saints. He saw 47% of snaps, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when he was in the game, he was getting the ball. He had 17 carries for 66 yards. And in a tough matchup, that was a far better stat line than Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette had, I believe, five carries for five yards. Let me spot check. Yeah, five carries for five yards for Leonard Fournette. And as far as the eye test goes, Ronald Jones looked like the much, much better running back in this game. He also had two receptions for 16 yards on three targets, even was lined up in the slot a couple times being utilized in that passing game. So I was really excited to see how much he was used and how much better he looked than Leonard Fournette um, in week one. And you look at this matchup against Carolina, you can't ask for a better matchup for a running back. The Panthers just gave up 93 yards and three touchdowns to Josh Jacobs. Jacobs had four receptions for 46 yards in that game as well. And this Panthers defense, they weren't able to stop anybody on the ground last year. And early on this year, it looks like it's going to be the same story. So now coming into a great matchup, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are a little bit banged up. I think they could really rely on the ground uh, in this game. Uh, They're going to rely on these running backs. And against Carolina, even if Fournette gets some more snaps in this game, Ronald Jones, if he gets 15 carries should be a good bet to get close to 100 yards and fall into the end zone. So I'm all in on Ronald Jones this week against the Panthers, starting him in a couple of leagues this week. Um, Fingers crossed, hoping Ronald Jones can continue to solidify his spot as the number one back on this team.
0: I think that's a great story. And this is the time where you're going to get that value out of Ronald Jones. If you drafted before the Leonard Fournette News, you probably took him in sixth, seventh, eighth round. We had him as a mid-round league winner prior to Fournette coming over. It looks like Fournette's still getting eased in. He didn't look great It might be a situation where they are trying to build him up and and learn this offense, but we saw Adrian Peterson come in one week before the season and dominate with the Lions, so I have some questions about Fournette, and until we see that breakout from Fournette on the Buccaneers, I think it's Rojo time, and in a great matchup, he should absolutely eat. Let's talk about our wide receiver starts of the week. Alex, I'll have you go first on this one. Who you got at receiver?
1: I'm cheating a little bit at the wide receiver position. I'm actually taking two guys. I'm taking... Michael Gallup and CD lamb against the Atlanta Falcons. No way. I am. <laughs> I am. And reason. Well, my being... start of the
0: week, let me, let me jump in here. I got to jump in. My start of the week is Amari Cooper also in this same <laughs> matchup. So let's just make one really big take on why you need to start all your Cowboys receivers in week two.
1: This is great yeah, <laughs> for context sake. I mean, Amari Cooper, you drafted him to start and he had a good game last week. I believe he had 14 targets. Correct me if I'm wrong there. So I'll let yep. you. I, you know, I'm not going to steal your Amari Cooper thunder. So he's more of a lock. I think Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb are more question marks. Um, but but the the bottom line is this is going to be a high flying matchup. You know, it's a 52 and a half point over under. Atlanta's defense looks terrible. I mean, they gave up 322 yards and four touchdowns to Seattle last week. It doesn't look like they're going to be able to stop anybody. Matt Ryan you know, threw for 450 yards on 54 attempts. So it looks like Atlanta is going to be one of those teams this season that just airs it out again and again and again. On the Seattle side of the ball last week, we saw both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have nice games. And on a Cowboys team that doesn't really have a great defense either. I know the pass rush is pretty solid, but I expect them to be in a shootout here. And even last week in a game where Dak Prescott's volume was relatively low to what we're going to expect this season, both Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb cleared 50 yards in that matchup. I know some people were disappointed with the performance for Michael Gallup, only three catches for 50 yards. But if that ghost P.I. call doesn't happen at the end of the game, he actually you know turns in like a 10, 11, 12-point performance there. And on the C.D. Lamb side of things, I mean, five for 59 on six targets in his first game, he was on the field a ton in this one they used. It felt like they were 82% using two percent of snaps for CD Lamb it felt like they were using three wide receiver sets all game long. Now that Blake Jarwin went down with that torn ACL Dalton Schultz, I mean, the ball was thrown in his vicinity several times. He never did anything with it, whether it was a drop or just like it seemed like he didn't expect the ball to be thrown to him at all. So I expect <laughs> Zach Prescott to to uh, funnel this passing volume through Michael Gallup, CD Lamb and Amari Cooper. And with those three options and in a game where there should be a ton of points. I think you should roll all three of them out into your lineup this week, and all three could put up top 24 performances um, all in the same game. That's so funny
0: that we had all three Cowboys wide receivers. You talked about no Jarwin in there. For Amari Cooper, just just plug Cooper in. We've seen him have these stretches where he'll just disappear in certain games, but this game script should lead to a lot of pass volume in a, in a soft matchup, and Amari Cooper's the the clear number one. He was third on the week in targets with 14, third on the week with receptions with 10. I actually saw a pretty impressive target share, almost like 40% target share. Wow. With 33% of those targets coming in the red zone. So I love the upside for Cooper and why I have him as a start of the week, even though he was a guy that you're probably plugging in every single week anyways, because I think he's going to explode in this matchup as the alpha dog in this Cowboys receiving core. And you talked about the snap counts with CeeDee Lamb. We said 82% for CD. Amari Cooper was out there for 94%. And Michael Gallup was out there for 96% of snaps. So across three of the top guys on the depth chart, I don't think you ever see all three get above an 80% target share. That almost never happens. And we saw that with the Cowboys. I think that's gonna be a recurring theme. And that's in Mike McCarthy's wheelhouse. We saw that in Green Bay when it was, you know, the Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb show uh, back in, you know, 20. 12 all the way to 2017 so with McCarthy I think they're going to keep running this and then of course you have Zeke to help keep moving the ball I think these drives are going to be long drives and I think you're going to see Dak take a couple deep shots and love Gallup in this matchup as well but I think Cooper's going to get everything uh, in the middle and underneath
1: with CD Lamb. One last thing to add about this matchup that's just a benefit for the Cowboys versus what they saw in week one the Atlanta Falcons don't have Aaron Donald or Jalen Ramsey. So, <laughs> you know, we all expected a shootout between Dallas and the Rams in week one. It ended up being a bit of a grind, 20-17 to 17 score. I expect, you know, the the Falcons' side of the ball to kind of um, dictate this game because that defense is weak. And you look at what Seattle did last week. They actually exposed Atlanta through the air. And Chris Carson only saw six carries. Carlos Hyde only seven. I know they're going to feed Zeke in this one. But, you know, Seattle probably saw something – um In this Atlanta defense, that they wanted to expose as a weakness, and it looks like it was that secondary. I expect Dallas to do more of the same in this game, um, and it should just be a high volume game all around. Everybody on the Atlanta side, the, the Dallas side, I'm, I'm fine to start in this one. So
0: let's talk about our tight end starts of the week. Tight ends are just, it's brutal, man. We had guys like.
1: It's getting. Number getting one on the week, here.
0: Dallas Goddard, like we all projected. Jimmy Graham caught a touchdown. Jimmy Graham caught a touchdown. David Njoku was a top five option, but number seven on the week was my guy, a guy that I almost had as a deep shot this week, but as the week has gone on, I've just become more and more confident, went back and watched the game film. It's Logan Thomas. It's a guy you may have never heard of. He's a 29-year-old that came into the league as a quarterback out of Virginia Tech, and This is the tight end for the Washington football team. They're up against Arizona. I'll talk about the matchup here in a second, but Logan Thomas, for those who don't know, he's a physical specimen. Six foot six, 250 pounds, almost the same measurables there as Darren Waller. And he was a fourth round pick. He played on 74% of snaps in week one and led the Washington football team in targets more than Terry McLaurin. Dontrell Inman was out there with five targets uh Stephen Sims only saw three in this game but Logan Thomas looks like he's going to be an option that Dwayne Haskins is going to rely upon he had uh, eight targets caught four of them for 37 yards and a touchdown I think there's upside in that target volume where you know if he catches six for eight and does something with those catches maybe even they are red zone looks you have a tremendously high upside in Logan Thomas he was on the field, like I said, 74% of snaps. So high utilization for a guy who wasn't on the team last year uh, and ha- really hasn't been you know, active playing football in the league very much relative to his age specifically. He tied for second among all tight ends in targets, a 26% target share last week. I'm not trying to project that out for the entire season, but that's what we want to see from an Alpha X wide receiver, that 25%. That's like what, what guys like Adam Thielen and Julio Jones are getting on a weekly basis, so to see 26% target share for Logan Thomas, that's extremely encouraging to me. He was getting open and Haskins was looking for him. He was 11th on the week in average target distance, so it's not like he's just getting these check down short options near the line of scrimmage. He was running up the seam, uh, looked pretty good out there. And I think in this matchup, the matchup is what is, is really the icing on the cake and solidifies Logan Thomas as the start of the week. I think the Washington football team is going to be trailing to this Arizona offense that looked explosive in week one. I know we like Washington's front seven based on what we saw, the new Chase Young experience that they got going up there. It's scary, but I think Arizona's going to be able to move the ball and be explosive here. And it's going to be a, a great matchup in 2019 the Arizona Cardinals gave up 16.1 fantasy points a week to the tight end position. That was number one by over four fantasy points. And last year we were streaming guys like-
1: Jacob Hollister.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Jacob Hollister, Ricky Seals-Jones, these deeper names. And so to get a guy who's a starting tight end in the league and is already being utilized heavily, I love it in this matchup. If you had a guy like, like I did, Blake Jarwin went down, I'm picking up Logan Thomas and I'm plugging him right in there. Alex, are you are you thinking I'm a crazy person
1: right now with what I'm saying here on such a deep name in Logan Thomas? A little bit, yeah, but you actually make a pretty good case there. I, I like a lot of the things you said. You know, the targets are obviously encouraging. The snap counts are encouraging. He played um, 74% of snaps last week, and the opportunity's there for Logan Thomas. You know, he he saw the volume in week one. You know, it's going to be tough. He saw the volume in what was a pretty competitive game script. This wasn't
0: a blowout where the Eagles went up big and it was garbage time. This isn't a competitive matchup. So imagine what we could see if Arizona goes up big in week two.
1: And it was a low-volume game in terms of this Washington football team's passing offense as well. Haskins, you know, didn't necessarily circle the wagons for 300 yards. But, (laughs) Steph, I mean, there's a a case for starting Logan Thomas. I don't think you – go out in week two and start him over like a hunter henry or you know tj hawkinson jared cook um, yeah jared cook you don't start him over guys like that but you make a good point if you had george kittle who's hurt if he doesn't end up playing on sunday if you had blake jarwin uh, maybe mike Gesicki is sketching you out a little bit after what we've seen from them i don't mind starting logan thomas you could definitely do worse at the position Steph, he's only rostered in 6% of leagues right now. So he's going to be available. I know you're probably driving that percentage up from like three to six because you probably picked him up everywhere. <laughs> Definitely. But he's check your waiver wire, and if you really need a tight end, if you're in a tough spot, they're, they're the dart on Logan Thomas. Even if you have a bench spot, I mean, that's available. That's someone you're not excited about. Pick up Logan Thomas, and if he ends up putting together a couple of good weeks here, you could have a really good trade ship at the position. I've said it all offseason. The tight end position is like musical chairs. There's normally more teams in the league than there are good every week starters at the tight end spot. So if you end up with two of them, you end up with a really good trade piece to improve your roster. So a bit of a crazy take And when there.
0: tight ends break out, they break out they hard. Break out, yep. You see a guy go from 20th to a top 12 name. Go ahead and just get him on your team early, stash him if you feel desperate at the tight end spot. But Alex, I want to hear yours from what I'm reading here on our show sheet. Are you, are you trying to copy
1: me from week one? Is that I what am. we're doing here? You did so good in week one. I just want to <laughs> be like you, man. And you know, this isn't the 29 year old breakout change position tight end like Logan Thomas. <laughs> but it's all reliable and Jared cook at the Las Vegas Raiders first game in the death star out in Vegas. It's going to be cool to see, but Jared cook, great game last week, five catches for 80 yards on seven targets. You called a really solid plug and play start of the week at the tight end spot was a Titan 10 on the week. So if you waited in your draft and got Jared cook, you're pretty happy with that. And this comes down to opportunity. I mean, Michael Thomas is going to be out. So Jared cook should have massive involvement this week on monday night football from drew Brees, it's a solid matchup against the carolina panthers you know that defense or not not against the carolina panthers excuse me against the (laughs) las vegas raiders that game the raiders had against the panthers last week was very back and forth it was a shootout both teams were able to do a ton on the offensive side of the ball so this raiders defense doesn't necessarily scare me too much here on monday night football so i look for jared cook to see a really good target share this week I expect him to have touchdown upside. We talked about it last last week on the pod. Jared Cook had an an insane touchdown rate last year. One that, you know, there's no way he could replicate it this season. But it's great to see him at least in Week One. I'm um, getting a ton of volume um, in a way that could lead to a ton of touchdowns this year. So I think Jared Cook has a ton of upside this week. The volume should provide a higher floor than we're used to with Cook. And you're not just going to be praying for a touchdown for him to have a good fantasy week. I think the floor is going to be there if the touchdown comes, you're actually going to end up with a ton of upside and a potential top five option here in week two.
0: So let's move over to our deep shots of the week. This is one of our favorite segments on the show where we get to throw out these deep names, these hot takes, guys that are not rostered. We're not saying these are our waiver pickups of the week. These are more desperation shots. These are DFS plays. These are just guys that we like that you would not expect to have a good game and my, the first one here, admittedly, it's, it's pretty gross, but I want to come out hot to start the year. My deep shot of the week is a quarterback, and it's Mitch Trubisky against wow. the Giants in a very similar matchup to what we just saw against Detroit. On the road in Detroit, Mitchell Trubisky threw the ball 36 times completed 20 of those attempts. So only a 55% completion rate, 242 yards though, and three touchdowns. And then he had three carries on the ground for 26 yards. That was a 25 point fantasy week from Mitch Trubisky. And as gross of a name as he is, as much as we don't like him as a long-term starter in this league, I hate him in a dynasty, unless you can get him extremely low, because I don't think he's going to be a starter for that much longer, unless he just (laughs) completely changes who he is as a Calling player. me out
1: Steph. i've got him in our dynasty league you know this. <laughs>
0: shots fired but when he plays he's had fantasy value this is a high-flying nice. matchup i think he's gonna rush more in this game we saw big ben have three rushes as well and that's a guy that is uh more torso than he is lower body so <laughs> <laughs> i i think Mitch the old Trubis- mr
1: incredible build
0: exactly uh, uh trubisky has a, a you know a little day. bit more athletic ability and he was he was slinging it he was Uh, Third on the week, he had six deep ball attempts in that game where Allen Robinson had a pretty quiet week. So expect big things from Anthony Miller as well in this matchup. I like him as a kind of deeper spot start guy, flex option. Uh, And Trubisky was also third in red zone attempts. So without David Montgomery in there, it's not like they get into the red zone and start cramming it up the middle. They're asking Trubisky to find ways to score when they get down there. Part of that could also be them constantly being in third down situations in the red zone. But nonetheless, uh, I like Trubisky as a spot star. I have him in some DFS options where I'm plugging in some of our more chalk picks like... Uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I think Derek Henry is going to eat this week and Aaron Jones is going to dominate as well. I got all three of those guys in my DraftKings lineups because I was able to put Mitch Trubisky in at quarterback with a ton of upside this week. So I know it's a gross one, but when Trubisky breaks out again in week two, you hear it here first.
1: For sure. And that's why we wait on quarterbacks. You can stream a guy like Mitch Trubisky and last week he was the quarterback eight on the week. Um, Hopefully he gets there again for the sake of, of this deep shot of the week take Steph, but I'm going to go with someone who's a little bit deeper, and I know Mitch Trubisky is only rostered in 8% of leagues, so that was pretty solid there, but I'm going to go with Danny Amendola, only rostered in 9% of leagues, and I think you could do a lot worse at your flex in a PPR league if you're in a really deep pinch. There's a ton of guys this week with questionable status, Devontae Parker, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin. Portland Sutton, Mike Evans, Jameson Crowder, the list goes on and on. By the time you're listening to this, maybe we have some clarity on a couple of those guys. Most of them seem like they're hamstring injuries. So hopefully we have some clarity and you can prepare going into the week. And I'm sure news has broken, um, you know, in the couple days or hours or whatever it is until you're watching this. But if you get to Sunday and it's a game time decision and you have one of those guys that's out and you're in a pinch and you don't know what to do, instead of tilting and going with some terrible option on the waiver wire that's all upside, why not go with Danny Amendola who can get you a very solid high floor game in your flex. Uh, And with Kenny G being one of those guys that could be out this week as of right now, or he could be out there playing but limited, I think Danny Amendola is a good option either way. Um, I mean, Danny had five catches for 81 yards in week one. That was on seven targets, a tough matchup against the Bears defense. So if he's getting you 13 PPR points in your flex as someone who you can just go pick up off the waiver wire anytime. That's pretty solid, and this week he gets a much better matchup at the Green Bay Packers. Um, Packers were in a high-flying game last week. We talked about Rodgers a little bit earlier on the pod, and we expect him to do big things this week against the Lions. So I expect it to be a pretty pass-heavy game script for the Detroit side of the ball. And the thing is, Danny Amendola has actually proven to be a PPR machine throughout his whole career. And he can be hit or miss sometimes, but he's proven to have really, really solid pop games. And when we look at 2019, he had four games of 17 PPR points or more, averaged six targets a game last season. Um, so, you know, if you're in a desperation desperation situation, Amandola could be plugged in and have you a really solid week. I don't think he's going to take the top off and go for 30 points. That's not the kind of deep shot this is. This isn't the Darius Slayton, you know, level of deep shot, the Deshaun Jackson, the guy who's going to go for 150 yards and two touchdowns. But if you're looking for a floor play that has the potential to get close to 20 points, I think there's a lot worse options out there than Danny Amendola. We love plugging in these, you
0: know, high floor slot guys, you know, like Steven Sims, like we were last year. And Danny Amendola fits right into that for all those reasons. So all, I think you made a pretty good case there. Um, If you're desperate, if you need a flex filler, something like that, plug Danny Amendola in there. I love that. Let me talk about my second and final deep shot of the week. It's another wide receiver. It's a guy that I took some victory laps on last year. I was plugging him in three or four weeks back to back to back. And it's Russell Gage. Out of the Atlanta Falcons. He's the number three wide receiver there behind Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, but they're against Dallas this week. We've talked about how much we love that matchup on both sides of the ball. Should be a high flying matchup. And I think Matt Ryan's gonna need to get the ball out quick with this Cowboys pass rush coming in. I think Russell Gage is gonna suck in a lot of the underneath volume playing from the slot. He is their primary slot guy. And we talked about some of the snap rates with. You know, the three wide receivers on the Cowboys side of the ball. Atlanta operates very similarly. Calvin Ridley, 86%. Julio Jones, 82%. Russell Gage, 70%. So for a guy who's third on the depth chart, he's out there a ton. He was fifth on the week in terms of total number of routes run. Matt Ryan, in a matchup against the Seahawks, it was a high-flying game script just like we expect this one to be or at least hope this one will be. He led the league in pass attempts with 54 and led the league in uh pass yardage with 450 so this is going to be a high volume offense saw 12 targets last week that was fifth amongst all wide receivers so for a guy that's going to be you know in a great situation I'm not necessarily in love with the talent that Gage has but he's in a great situation and he's relatively efficient fifth on the week uh, in week one with yards after the catch uh, with 46 total of those and I expect him to be relied upon in this matchup. Uh, could even get into the end zone as well. Plug in Russell Gage at your flex um, or plug him in as a deep DFS option. I love him this week against Dallas.
1: Yeah, Steph, I love the pick. And I know we talked a little bit about the Cowboys Falcons game earlier on the pod. Bottom line, put your wide receivers in from this game on both sides of the ball. They go three deep, and I think Russell Gage is a candidate to have a really nice game, and you look at what he did to end last season as well. You talked about how you were rolling him out on a weekly basis. Over the last six games of last season, Russell Gage averaged 11.4 fantasy points per game. So he was getting it done. That was more fantasy points per game over that stretch than Cortland Sutton, than DK Metcalf, right behind Tyreek Hill. So he was getting it done. So this isn't just like a one-hit wonder for Russell Gage. He's going to have involvement in this offense. I think Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage could go back and forth as far as fantasy relevant weeks. But from, from a uh, floor perspective, I think Russell Gage is a lock to get five or six targets in this game minimum. And hopefully we see what we saw in week one, which was the 12 target performance. So I'll go ahead and go with my second deep shot of the week. It's Jarek McKinnon at the New York jets. Jet baby. We talked about Raheem Mostert in the starts of the week section um, as your running back choice but jarek mckinnon man he is back back like he never left <laughs> even though he definitely was gone there for a couple <laughs> of years but it was nice to see him out there and looking healthy and we he looked one. Good. We were like this is a guy where you kind of got to see it to believe it after he's been out of the league for a couple years with those knee issues but in week one he had 31 percent of snaps which i know isn't anything crazy but three carries for 24 yards rushing great efficiency there and then through the air he had five targets three catches um for 20 yards and a touchdown on those targets so jarek mckinnon i doubt you started him in week one and for the few people that did or if you had him in dfs he put up a solid performance um for where you got him and here in week two we we've talked about this matchup the jets are terrible their defense is terrible and the 49ers pass catching group is absolutely decimated so this is a bit of a desperation play i know with 31 percent of snaps you're not necessarily targeting Jarek McKinnon in your starting lineup. Tevin Coleman should see more involvement as well. But in a game where George Kittle could be out or limited, Debo is out. You know, the the list goes on. Jalen Hurd is out for the season. Travis Benjamin opted out. Brandon Ayuk is banged up. He's got some issues. So I think Jarek McKinnon will be involved again as a pass catcher in this game. Jimmy G seemed like he could rely on him there in week one. And Jarek McKinnon's only rostered in 18% of leagues. So if you're really in a tough position at running back and you're in a PPR league, roll Jarek McKinnon out there. Hope he gets five or six targets in this game. He should see some work on the ground as well, especially if the 49ers jump out to a lead. Um, And he's got a good shot to get into the end zone again. So Jarek McKinnon, my second deep shot of the week for week two.
0: What I think is, is a really sneaky part of plugging in Jet against the Jets Is they were using Jarek McKinnon in the slot. And if if George Kittle's not going to be out there, there there's some interesting ways that he could be utilized in this offense, especially with no Debo. You know, we talk about how Debo gets used as a gadget player, even though he is a guy who can operate as an X wide receiver one on the outside, but they still use him in these interesting ways. I think we could see some of that with Jarek McKinnon lining up in the slot, getting more usage in the pass game. And I know he only got three carries, but he looked good on those carries, eight yards per attempt. Uh, and he got some red zone touches he actually got five red zone touches so if he gets into the end zone here uh, with some of that volume in this super easy matchup I love Jarek McKinnon for all the same reasons I'm smashing on Raheem Mostert in week two but Alex I think that wraps it up for our week two starts of the week and our deep shots of the week
1: let's go gonna be
0: so interesting to see of the week one narratives and things that we saw what things kind of fall out of the wayside, which things are you know, initial gut reactions or responses. Think of a guy like Paris Campbell. We saw a lot to like, we saw a lot to like out of Joe Burrow. We'll see if those things continue, or if it maybe it was just something that was matchup or game script dependent. A lot of interesting narratives here, a lot of good matchups here, a lot of very soft matchups. So the stage is set for a lot of bounce backs in week two. Keep plugging in your Austin Ecklers, your Joe Mixons, some of the guys you were disappointed by. Uh, But Alex, anything else to say here before we sign off?
1: Good luck out there, everybody. It's week two. It's a new beginning. Don't tilt too hard yet. If you drafted your studs, (laughs) roll them out there. I'm sick of seeing questions that are like, do I start Austin Eckler or like malcolm brown in week two and while malcolm brown's a great waiver pickup you start your studs it's too early to overreact so keep that in mind as you're rolling out these lineups but as always if you've got any questions you just want confirmation on some start sit decisions throw them in the comments we're gonna be here all week every week answering those for you guys throughout the season so super hype for week two let's go get some dubs this week
0: thank you guys for listening and watching hit that sub and that like button and we'll see you next time Peace. peace